Well, howdy, y'all. Thank you for supporting our sponsor, Cosmetic. If you listen to this podcast regularly, you know that my community host defense medicinal mushroom capsules and Cosmetic's hemp pain cream are my two favorite self-care products. If you have aches, pains, inflammation, or arthritic pain, you need to try Cosmetic CBD-infused hemp pain cream. Each bottle of Cosmetic's hemp pain cream is infused with 400 milligrams of Cosmetic's patented water-soluble CBD solution. Be kind to your skin and go to Cosmedicated.com, that's C-A-U-S-E, Medicated.com, and order a bottle of Cosmetic's hemp pain cream. Use the promo code from this podcast, SOS20, that's SOS20, at checkout and get 20% off of your entire order. Woo! Let's podcast. Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields, and I am the host of this podcast, South of Scruffy Podcast. If this is your first time here, shines a light on the rise and the grind of people who are doing big things with kind of an emphasis on the the gritty part of their journey, the the scruffy part of that journey, s'il vous plaît. We, uh, we usually focus on artists, entertainers, maker types, but... Today, my guest is a professional athlete. This is somebody who a ton of people have suggested that I have on the podcast, and I'm so glad that they did. Wes Roach is on the show today. Uh, Wes is a pro golfer. He's a PGA Tour guy, Corn Ferry Tour guy. Wes worked his way all the way to the top league of his profession, and it sounds like he's still you know, working as hard as ever to stay on top of his game and to keep on climbing, and uh, he's a fascinating guy to talk to, and I learned a hell of a lot talking to him. I'm excited for you guys to hear this. Uh, a little note before I get started, uh, during the podcast, I, I, I heard this this text notification, uh, and I was like, oh, no big deal. This is this is Wes's first time on a on a podcast. He just forgot to turn off his ringer. No, no, no biggie. And then it went off again, but Wes didn't flinch. He didn't move, didn't reach for his phone. I'm like, do I say something? You know, do do we do we just do we just ride with it? I'm still a little nervous at this point talking to talking to oh, talking to Wes, and uh, and then it goes off again, and then I'm like, okay, and that that's when I realized that it, it was my phone and it was in my back pocket. So 46 episodes uh, into this podcast, and I am just really killing it. It's super pro over here. Don't you worry. Guys, let's get into it. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, Wes Roach. We're doing the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so I told you a minute ago when we were outside that uh, it's been mostly artists, entertainers, kind of those kinds of people that have come on the show. You're the first uh, professional athlete that's been on. And uh, I think you play the most frustrating sport of all of them. <laughs> I would agree with that. <laughs> it's a mind game for sure. I, I wonder about golf, like how much of it is, how much of it's mental, how much of it's physical. You obviously got to have the physical chops, but it, it every single time you strike the ball has got to be a mind game. It's definitely a mind game for sure. Um, you're right, though. I mean, you definitely have to have um, certain physical abilities and certain talents to kind of carry you. But one thing that I've learned is that 
if your mind is telling you that you you can't or that you're not confident, then you don't have a chance. So um, it's very mental, but at the same time, you know, it's physical as well. Um, it it's a, a tough game at times, but um, one that I've definitely grown to love over time, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. And it's like, uh, you know, I would fish for a living if I could, like, yeah. you know, and, and so it's like you do something for a living that so many grown men do as a hobby, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that, it's got to feel good. Yeah. I mean, I love what I do, no doubt. Um, but there's times when I hear people say that and I'm like, I don't know if you do want this, like. <laughs> There's certain times where, you know, there's nobody else to blame but you, but myself, you know, right. if things aren't going well. Yeah, it's got to be a very solitary kind of kind of game, sport, which is – or what, what are the other ones? What are the other ones where it's just you and a, yeah. and a ball and an instrument, you know? I don't know. It's – yeah, usually you have a team or you have, right. you know, coaches who can kind of help put you in position. And I, I mean, I have a swing coach and um, some other – a ton of people who have helped me out along the way. Uh, to get where I am, but at the end of the day, it's all on you. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I've wondered like what what does the team look like with you know because it's one guy out there. It's almost like a NASCAR driver. You know, you see a driver out there and they're the they're the 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 face of the machine. But there's a lot of people behind that. I'm sure that yeah. make it happen. So if you come out on to the PGA Tour on any given week, it's like it's different now with COVID, but before. It's like an absolute circus on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday when all the preparation is going. Um, you've got guys that have their swing coach. They've got another guy who's their putting coach, hmm. uh, short game coach, mental coach, trainer, um, therapist. So there's some of the best players in the world have a team of, you know, say seven or eight coaches um, out there. And then, you know, once tournament time comes Thursday through Sunday, it gets a little different. And, um, how's it different? Fewer people, fewer people. Uh, everybody kind of goes away and it's the coaches go away. There's, Mm -hmm. there's club reps, manufacturers all on the range. And so the range and the putting green is all, all the practice areas are kind of a zoo. And then once Thursday comes around, pretty much everybody's out. It's like players and the caddies. Gotcha. So it's it's like the the pitcher throwing the no hitter. Like you need to, he needs to get in his headspace. You need to let everybody else yeah. just kind of shut it all out. Yeah, exactly. And some guys are different. I mean, there's no one formula that works for everybody. Gotcha. Um, some guys don't have a therapist or a trainer, or you know, some guys don't travel with their swing coach. Um, so it's different. But yeah, it's uh, it's pretty wild seeing what goes on out there week week in week out. I bet. I, I always wonder. Everybody, I think, wonders about the caddies. Like, they're out there. That, I mean, they they kind of have to play all those roles after everybody else goes away. Right? Yeah, the caddies, sometimes it's the best for them and sometimes it's the worst because they get none of the credit and all the blame. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I'm out there and I'm having a bad day, you know, unfortunately, my caddy's probably going to take the brunt of it. I'm gonna, yeah. I got to yell at somebody and I can't yell at myself, so I got to yell at him. <laughs> Do you have the same caddy all the time? Yeah, I've had the same guy working for me for the last three and a half years. Um, I've had a couple other guys, kind of a couple friends that have done it. Yeah, for a year here and there. How, um, how does that work? Do you do you do you audition people, or do you just kind of land on somebody that you know and you trust, or is it a golfing buddy? Yeah, so it started out for me when I first 
came out and out of college and started playing professionally. I had a buddy of mine uh, who worked out of Willow Creek that came out and caddied for a year for me on the what was then the web.com tour. It's called the Corn Ferry Tour now. It's yeah. kind of the step below the PGA Tour. Um, and he did a great job, and we ended up getting our PGA Tour card later that year. And he decided that, you know, that it wasn't what he wanted to do. He didn't want to travel right. all the time caddying for a living. But yeah. after that, um, my agent will kind of handle some of that stuff. He'll, you know, throw a couple names out. or mm-hmm. um, And the guy that's caddying for me now, that's actually what happened with him. Uh, another friend of mine caddied for me for about a year and a half. And then he stopped. And uh, my agent said, hey, here's a guy's number. He might be great to fill in for a week or two until you find somebody you like or, you know, whatever. And uh, he's been with me since. You so. had a good weekend? I had a bad weekend. <laughs> you did? But, but I but enjoyed he, it. But he, he kept you together? He was good. So I was like, all right, you can keep coming. <laughs> That's excellent. What What's that What's that game like for caddies, though? Is it, 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 you said your agent introduced you to some some guy. Was he a caddy before? Was he? Yeah, he was, was a caddy before. Was he, he just floating around on the on the caddy free agent market? Is he, that? Essentially, <laughs> he had he was only he had only caddied for like six or eight months, um, and he caddied for a guy that actually went to Tennessee, a guy named Rick Lamb, hmm. um, and they won he, his first time ever caddying. He Rick Monday qualified for this tournament in New York on the web.com tour. And my buddy Stuart, who's caddying for me now, went up and caddied for him and they won the event. And he's gotcha. like, oh, this is easy. I'll, I'll caddy for life. <laughs> <laughs> well, I heard those guys are like scratch golfers, too. Most of them are pretty good. Yeah. A lot of them are old players, ex-players, yeah. uh, guys that played in college or they have yeah. experience for sure. The guy who's caddying for me, Stuart, um, was a bartender uh, at a bar down in Sea Island, St. Simons Island, Georgia, for cool. 15 or 16 years. He plays okay. He's, he's a solid player. He's probably, you know, six or seven handicapped, but, I mean, yeah. he's more worried about drinking as many beers as he can when he's playing. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, if you're bartending, at least you know he's a good time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So all your life you've played golf, I'm sure, right? Mm-hmm. Did you grow, when was the first time you picked up a club or when was – Oh, man, I probably was – Picked up a club as soon as I could walk. Was your dad um, into it? My dad was into it. Yeah, he's uh, he is the general manager out at Willow Creek and Farragut. Oh, okay, so cool. So I was fortunate enough to grow up out there and learn how to play out there. And I had an older brother, still have an older brother who's six years older than me. So I kind of followed them around and was wanting to play golf all the time. And um, yeah, so as soon as I could walk, I had a club in my hands. And, was your dad working at the club the whole time when you were growing up? Oh yeah, oh man, yeah, that's awesome. Still there now. So you were a you were a a, a rat down there. At the, Absolutely. <laughs> at the golf I mean, course. I was out there until dark and had some of the cart guys take me home after my yeah. dad had already gone home. And yeah, I was out there all the time. Do you like it when you were a kid, or was it just the thing you did? No, I liked it. Yeah, uh, I always played basketball growing up. And pretty tall dude. Loved basketball first, and then realized I probably didn't have much future playing basketball. So I stopped playing basketball in high school and started playing golf year round. Gotcha. Um, but I, I always loved golf. So you guys, you grew up in Knoxville then. Mm-hmm. Had an older brother. Yep. Born and raised here. Cool. Youngest of three. Older sister and older okay. brother. Cool. What do they do? Uh, my sister is a therapist. She cool. lives in Durham, North Carolina. Nice. And my brother is a lawyer. He actually lives here in Knoxville. The whole family made it. 
Yeah. Your, your parents have got to be pumped. <laughs> uh, what'd your mom do? Uh, my mom is a, now a therapist as well. Cool. Um, and my dad is still out of Willow Creek. He's been there 40 years. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. He, That's awesome. They moved. My parents moved from Durham, North Carolina to Knoxville um, in 1988, the year that I was born. Okay. When Willow Creek opened. And, and did your dad move here time. to did your dad move here to start the club or to open so it? So my mom's dad and his brother built the course, ah. and then my dad came in to kind of help run it and manage it. So, so this is like a, a long lineage of of golf in your family. Then yeah, okay, very much so. So so you are you're like the uh, the manifestation of <laughs> generations of golf I addiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Did you uh, did you go to uh, Farragut then? If you were out that way, I went to Webb. Okay, I went to Webb in high school. Finished up in 2011, and then went to Duke University. Gotcha. College. Played golf at Duke. Yep. How was that? It was great. Was it? Yeah. So it was tough. I mean, was it? I didn't. I didn't want to have any business taking a visit to Duke. I visited. Several other schools, and my dad was a huge Duke fan. He was born and raised in Durham, and he convinced me to take a visit and really liked it and barely squeaked in with a low ACT score. And <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was a great decision for me, though. Where else would you have gone? I took visits to several schools, but I was really focused on either Duke, Virginia, Auburn, or wake forest gotcha so you're you're coming out of high school i i assume you're on the web team and and you were it was it, you kind of, did you were you the hot shot were you the guy in town that like was just better than everybody else were you clearly the best guy at the point or were there were there more people that were right there with you um i think i was definitely one of the better players in the area yeah i was i had had a really good junior golf career and worked really hard and was pretty highly nationally ranked uh, as a junior coming out of high school. Um, and yeah, so I was fortunate to fortunate to have Willow Creek to be able to play and practice all day long every day yeah. to kind of train growing up and, and play and learn. Um, but coming out of high school, I definitely was one of the better in the area for sure. So that's the thing that... <laughs> Everything, you got to work at everything to be good at it. But golf is one of those things that just people beat themselves up over it. It takes them high, low. It's like gambling, you yes. know? Is it ever not fun? Certain times, <laughs> it's it can be very, very tough at times. I've had, it's crazy to think that next year in May will be 10 years out of school for me, out of college. And as soon as I graduated from college, I started playing professionally and started playing on the, at that point, the nationwide tour. So 10 years between both the nationwide and the PGA tour. And there's been lots of highs and lows. And I had a, I had a caddy that told me an older guy, a couple, I was probably 23 years old at the time. And he told me, he's like, well, we were kind of struggling for a month or two. And he's like, you know what? He's like, it's never as good as it seems. And it's never as bad as it seems. <laughs> it's just basically trying to tell me to 
get my head out of my ass. Yeah. You know, it's all, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but you do see those guys who are, you know, top 10, top 20 in the world. They're always there. And I think there's something to be said for how impressive that is because me personally, I've had many peaks and valleys. Um, and this year especially has been a difficult year uh, on the golf course. But I'm trying to dig in as best I can and kind of look into the mirror and, you know, focus on getting ready for next year and doing better. Um but it's it's tough at times for sure. Uh, have you ever thought about quitting? Did you ever think about it growing up and going to college and playing? And no. was there ever a time where you said I I, I can't anymore? There's been a this year actually. There really? was a time where I was like, I, I've never thought about doing anything other than playing golf. But you know, now that my wife and I we've got a three year old daughter and we're soon to have another another a son here, a boy in a couple awesome. weeks and. Um, it's like, man, it's just, this year has been a, a tough year. And I thought, you know, a couple of months back, I'm like, what is my fallback plan going to be? Right. What, what would I do? And I think part of that wasn't, it wasn't a good thing to think because it kind of took me away from my goal. You know, I want to win on the PGA tour. I want to win against the best players in the world and kind of allowing myself to, get away from that goal and to think about maybe I should do something different kind of was a bad deal. So took your eye off the ball a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, but that was the only time that I've ever really thought about quitting. Um, and maybe I needed to do that. Maybe I needed to kind of, it was probably a good, a good exercise in like mental toughness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, that, that's a huge thing for golf too, is the mental toughness part because you have so many things that work against you. You know, you hit a great shot and it takes a bad bounce and, you know, your your automatic reaction is to be pissed. Yeah. But you have to shake it off. You have to kind of next shot, you know, next, you know, everything's in front of you. You got to stay present. It's it's tough. How's your body feel? Uh, it's okay. Um, that's been a tough part of this whole deal. You know, when I first started playing professionally almost 10 years ago I just you know figured I never worked out or anything I just went to the course and stretched five minutes and just started pounding balls and hitting balls and going to play 18 holes and <laughs> you know no big deal that was your workout is now is doing it's it. like you know I'm up in the morning stretching got yeah. these foam rollers you know all this stuff um traveling 30 plus weeks a year airplanes hotels and um but yeah, I mean, my body's okay. I'm trying to work this off season to be strong and to make sure my body's in a better position next November than it is now. Um, but it's a constant grind for sure. Yeah. Well, that, a couple things there. I, I want to talk to you about the the travel aspect of it and and just being being a nomad, right? Pretty much at, at some point. Yeah. Um, but. But to talk about like the body part of it too, when when you see a golf swing, it, it feels like the body just the, the body's working real hard to, to do the, those kinds of motions and to see yeah. the torso twist around like that. And and I think to a casual observer, you wouldn't think that it's a sport that's hard on your body, but it has to be, especially when you're doing the same thing like that with all your might, hundreds of times a day. Sometimes for sure. What are the parts on people that kind of wear out? 
Um, low back, hips, mm. shoulders. I've had some back problems over the years. I had a herniated disc back in 2016. I've had some arthritis stuff kind of flare up this year. Um, but you'll see a lot of guys who have like a like Tiger. I mean, he had a fusion in his back, yeah. low back, or guys will have uh, labrum tears mm. in their shoulders Shoulder or their or, or their hips. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just the repetitive motion oh, overuse stuff. Yeah. Um, and you've got to be, I mean, you're in such like tight control of that club and it's such like a precise thing, but you're also trying to be that precise while exerting as much energy in your body as possible. For sure. Especially now. I mean, you're seeing in the game of golf, this craze about distance. How mm-hmm. far can you hit it? I mean, DeChambeau is the, the poster child for that right now. We put and, on like a, 40 pounds, 60 pounds. Put on weight and just swing as fast as you can, hit it as far as you can, and then figure it out from there. But yeah. well, I mean, when you're hitting a sand wedge and everybody else is hitting. You know? Yeah, and everybody's in seven iron. Yeah. So, yeah, I like my chances with a sand wedge. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, props to him for doing it. Yeah. Um, is that the way you think it's going? It definitely is, for you sure. Think? I think so. I've played with a number you of— You think steroids are going to creep into the game? Yeah, I mean, I don't really like Bryson, so if uh, <laughs> if he gets popped for steroids, it wouldn't wouldn't bother me any. <laughs> well, I just wonder because, like that in the '90s, I'm I'm sure you watched baseball growing up. Yeah. Like after the the strike in '92 or whenever it was, baseball was almost dead. You know, people stopped watching it because of the strike, and then the thing that revived it was. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa's home run race in 98 or 99, whenever it was to, you know, get 61 home runs or whatever. And those guys were just juiced on steroids and, and it became a thing for almost 20 years. And I'm sure it's still out there. They're finding ways to get around it and all that. Uh, But it kind of became like the brute force power hitter, you know, sport football's like that now too. Football is the biggest, fastest dude. And golf has kind of not, it's a finesse game, right? And how, however big and strong LeBron James can get out there and not play golf as, as well as, you know, a seven year old in some cases. Yeah. So, so do you think that, that there's, that there's, I don't know, is it perilous? Is it dangerous for the sport to go into that just meathead world? Probably a little bit. Um, I've played with a lot of guys who are fresh out of college and, they're, I don't know if it's the fact that they're training from such a younger age and learning how to swing faster, and they've got so much more knowledge about the way the body works and the swing, and they're not only having a, their swing coaches teach them how to hit it further, but their trainers are training their bodies how to be stronger and, and faster. But their the distance is that's where the game's going. Really, and I've seen some graphs done or metrics done about driving distance or club head speed and earnings on the PGA Tour. Really? And it's pretty like... Are they directly proportional to each other? Pretty much. Really? The, the faster you are, the further you hit it, wow. the more earnings that you typically have in a year, um, which is crazy. And so, the you know, some of the golf courses, some of the guys who are creating golf courses and making these setups for these major championships are 
pushing distance as far as they can, making really? holes longer. So they're not fighting it. They're not trying to make stuff more technical where you have to shape a shot. They're they're th- they're indexing towards where they think the sport's going. I think so. There's wow. supposed to be some kind of huge distance thing that's going to rep- distance report. I think is what they're calling it. That's coming out in the next three or four months from the governing bodies in golf. So what is that? We'll see what that. What entails. is the what is the distance report? It's going to be, I guess. They're going to try to figure out whether or not they need to scale back the golf ball, mm. scale back some of the equipment. Are they going to change the ball? I don't know. I Have d- they changed the ball ever? No. Everything that's been going over the last 10, 20 years has been to optimize distance and lower spin, higher launch, just optimizing distance for everything, for mm. all the clubs, all the golf balls. So I don't know if something's coming back where they're going to roll it back a little bit or... Or what? I mean, it'd be fine with me if they had two sets of rules. So you got one set of rules that the public plays by because mm. nobody wants to play. Nobody wants to place a golf ball that's not going to go as far in the public. Right. Yeah. But on the PGA Tour, or the best players in the world, if they play by a separate set of rules, that's completely fine. Right. If they want to make our golf ball not go as far as some of the retail golf balls, that's great. Right. So I don't know if some of that's going to come or not. I guess we'll see. It's interesting to think about. I'm, because, I, like, if I'm fly fishing mm-hmm. and, you know, you have this size 20 midge that catches rainbows every time you go up there, <laughs> I want to use that one. Right. If that gets outlawed, you know, I'm still going to use it mm-hmm. if I'm the public. Right. But, you know what I mean? It's just – yeah. We have to hand, you have to handicap it, or you're going to have to start making par fives 700 yards. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> no, that's interesting to think about, though. That I've that you know that they talk about they talk about baseball and and even football. They change some of the rules. They change the helmets. They change some of those things. Um, but golf seems like it's kind of been you know relatively. You know, the the club technology has been what's changed. Yeah. And and the... The golf ball's changed too, though. Has it? If you look at a golf ball that that I was playing in high school compared to a golf ball that I play now, Mm -hmm. the the ball that I was playing won't go near as far. It'll spin like crazy compared to the ball now. So what's the standard then? Like, does it have to weigh a certain... Is it weight? Is that... Um... I'm not is it, exactly is, sure on that. It's, gotcha. The compression stuff is the same, but as far as the, there may be something with the cover or the core. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure the differences on that. But so technology's changing there too. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I used to grab a uh, set of my dad's old, you know, 1968 golf clubs and uh, you, you set that next to one now and you can tell that, you know, it's like cars. Yeah. You know, it's like vehicles, the body style changes and yeah. it's optimized uh, in a way that helps the helps the person using it. And it's crazy. It's like <laughs> we could have shaped stuff like that then, too. You know, we just didn't know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> had, had to see had to, had to innovate. Right. Uh, so you live here now. Still the travel. Yes. Is Knoxville an easy place to kind of get in and out of town on when you're going to play tournaments? Um, I'm, I'm used to it by now, but I mean, I'm connecting once everywhere I go pretty much. I fly a lot of Delta, so I go to Atlanta quite a bit. Yeah. Um, 
I'll occasionally go to Dallas or Chicago and connect, but I mean, are it, tournaments it, all it over the country pretty much? I pretty mean, much. Uh, there's very rare times when I'll drive. Now yeah. you know, on the on the Corn Ferry Tour, you can drive a little bit more. There's some more tournaments in the mm. southeast, more regional. Mm-hmm. But on the PGA Tour, it's very. They kind of have like a, a West Coast swing in January and February, so you're yeah. out there for a couple months, and mm-hmm. then you're in Florida for the next two or three, and then you're yeah. kind of all over the place after that. Yeah, they so. send you out to the to the uh, the the sunny spots in the world in the, exactly. in the winter. We follow the sunshine for the whole year, pretty much. That's got to be another kind of perk. It's of, nice. Yeah. We, I mean, we'll catch some bad weather for sure, but we do get to play in some pretty awesome places. Yeah, I. Uh, it's funny. I I met you. I'd never met you before. Houston. I met you in the airport yeah. in Houston. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> I kept I kept looking at you at baggage claim, and I was like, I I recognize him from somewhere. And then I saw you pick up a bag, and it and it said W R on it. It had your initials. On it. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Yes, that's who I thought it was. <laughs> and I you saw were you there with all your gear, all your equipment. Yeah, we were get all your camera stuff or yeah. something. Yeah, we were going to shoot a commercial for uh, Sitgo. Oh yeah, the the we were in Houston, man. Got to shoot some oil yeah, stuff. Yeah. But you were playing a tournament down there, right? We were. Yeah, yeah. that was what last year, I guess. About this yeah. time last year, I think. Was it last year? I think so. Yeah, I, I don't know. Twenty twenties felt like ten years, but yeah, also like like wild. one year. I can't. I, you know, yeah. it's been it's been big. Well, what tournaments out there? Uh, the Houston Open. It used to okay. be the Shell Houston Open, and there was a new title sponsor this year. I think it was like the Vivient Houston Open or something like that. Okay. What's that? What's that? Uh, what's that like down there playing pl- um, playing in Texas? It's good. I like it. Yeah. Uh, they've got a tournament in Houston. They've got one in San Antonio, and they've got two in the Dallas Fort Worth area. Mm. Um, it can get pretty windy. But, it's all flat. Yeah. Um, so they changed the golf course this year in Houston to a new course, and I didn't play this year. Um, but the course that they used to have it at was phenomenal. It was usually typically close to uh, the week before Augusta, and everybody would kind of play there to get prepared for Augusta. Mm. The greens real fast and yeah, just immaculate condition. Um, but, Yeah. Playing in Texas is great, and uh, they're so we pay taxes everywhere we go, everywhere we earn yeah. money. So it's different state to state, right? So with Texas being no state income tax, I believe your earnings there are more than if you were to play well in California, where they right. ding you, they take twenty percent. <laughs> yeah, so that's like I, I didn't think about that part. That's that's like uh, NFL players too, right? I mean they. They they get paid whatever town they play in, mm-hmm. um, and Tennessee doesn't have state income tax either. Right. We don't have any big tournaments here, though, do we? No, there's a couple of corn ferry tour events: one in Knoxville really? and one in Nashville. Where's uh, the well, Knoxville? There's, a, there's used to be a tour event, uh, a regular tour event in Memphis, um, but it's now a, a World Golf Championship event, which is great for Memphis, but not so good for guys like me who are in the field there. <laughs> What's the difference? Uh, so how many governing bodies are there? Or you said world so you golf have, championship. Uh, yeah. So the world, the WGC events are put on by the PGA tour, okay. but they're world ranking only, uh, or select winners from certain events around the world. Uh, there's usually 60 guys, give or take that are in those fields. Okay. And there's no cut. Um, so those are those are kind of the events that everyone wants to play. 
Gotcha. Um, but as far as governing bodies, there's the PGA Tour. Well, I guess it would be the USGA and the RNA. The USGA is like the American governing body. Okay. The RNA is the rest of the world, Europe and gotcha. most of the other parts of the world. Okay. The main two tours on in professional golf are the PGA Tour and the European Tour. Okay. And then the major championships are put on, like the Masters is put on by the PGA Tour, the U.S. Open put on by the um, USGA, mm-hmm. the Open Championship or the British Open by the RNA. And gotcha. Then, um, the the PGA Championship is put on by the PGA of America, which gotcha. is like a collection of a separate entity. But like, so if you go to Willow Creek and you see Scott Perkins, who's the head pro, he's a part of the uh, PGA of America. Okay. So there's club pros and all that stuff. It's a whole different world. Did you say R- RNA? RNA. Is is the rest of the Europe. world. I think they do Europe okay. and most of some of the other stuff as I, well. I guess I didn't really think about that. Is, is the British Open or the you said the Open Championship mm-hmm. is under a different governing body than the USGA? Right. All the rules that. are pretty much the same yeah. between the USGA and RNA. They collectively get together and they'll be doing that distance report like we were talking about yeah. earlier. But effectively, it's all the same. Mm. Um, they kind of get together and make sure that they're on the same page for all these different. Yeah. stuff but so so the the british open the the uh the greens are like a hundred yards long right some of them <laughs> some of them i've never played in the british open i've been close to qualifying but hadn't done it but yes that, i mean it looks incredible you go over there and everybody says you get four seasons in one day you know yeah. it's you're bundled up raining sideways freezing cold sun comes out sweating it's like it's wild <laughs> it's like today <laughs> yesterday yeah. it, uh, so, have you played in a major? No majors. Yeah. So, how does that work? How do you how do you uh, how do you qualify for a major? Uh, winning is the easiest way to do it. <laughs> on the, if you win on the PGA Tour, you're going to play some majors. Um, they have select qualifying events uh, that'll get you in the Open Championship in the summertime. There's usually two or three events okay. where they'll take the top two finishers from the tournament who are not already in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the U S open, they have a qualifier. They have a local qualifier. And then if you play well enough to get through that, you're exempt into the sectional qualifier and the sectional qualifier is 36 holes in one day. And there's usually seven or eight sites around the country and they take a select number of guys from those sectional spots if you're not already high enough ranked in the world to get in. Gotcha. Uh, and then the PGA Championship goes off uh, year-round money list and hmm. basically just win. Yeah. <laughs> win and you're in a lot of the majors or play really good golf for a prolonged period of time and you'll get in. Yeah. Are, are there any like single, single qualifying deals? The only one would be for the U.S. Open, yeah, the sectional qualifier. Yeah. Okay. Just okay. The others you got to just you got to earn it. You but there's no like well. tour events that if you win one one stop, you're usually you're, if you win any of them. Oh yeah, if you win, you'll get in. Like if you win next week at next week the events at Sea Island, the RSM. If you win there, you'll get in the PGA 
most likely the US Is that because Open. of money? The money? Because of money. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. and they take all the PGA Tour winners get in the PGA Championship. Okay. Um, and then the British, the, the qualifyings, the, the requirements to qualify for the other majors is a little different. To get in the Masters, you have to win a PGA Tour event or you have to be high enough ranked in the world, top 60 in the world, I think. Gotcha. Is that why Tiger was in today? Because his world ranking's still up there. He he won last year. I th- I oh, think they his, let I, you in. I if think you, his if you... world ranking's still up. If he, if you win the Masters, you can play for life. No way. Yeah. Just a bunch of green jackets out there. Crazy playing each other. Yeah. If you win a major, you're set. Game you can, over. You can man. play whatever you want. Yeah. For as long as you want to play. Yeah. Much. And 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 then that's why it's so amazing with with your sport to see these guys who have such. You know, so many of those things that that mm-hmm. that they've, you know, that anybody would die just to win one of them, and these guys are are stacking them up. You yeah. know, Roger Federer is that way in tennis. You know, unbelievable. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it translates a little bit to your sport. It's similar, uh, one person. You know, it's all you. Yeah, with with tennis too. For sure, kind of a similar thing. So, I got to know, like, how what was what was the workload, and when did the grind start? Uh, from being a fun thing to being a, I'm going to do this in college. I'm going to make a living out of this. Like, when did it become serious? Um, I felt, I had a lot of fun with it. I still have fun with it. Um, in high school, I I loved like I've always enjoyed practicing, and I've always enjoyed the process of improving, and you know it gradually happened in high school where I was shooting lower scores and practicing and, you know, winning some tournaments and in college was a little bit more of a grind. I was trying to do a lot of things, you know, I was trying to figure out a way to get through school, trying to manage social life, trying to manage golf as well. And that became difficult. And, I was good enough at golf to kind of get through and I I was in the top 5 and played traveled to all the tournaments for 4 years and and then when it came time to when I graduated I was kind of like man like I don't know I was really good in high school and compared to the people that I was beating in high school I have not they're they're better than me now <laughs> so I don't know if I want to play professional golf <laughs> but I don't think I want to get a real job. Right. So I went to Q school, qualifying school, made it through and got status on the nationwide tour at the time. And for this was right after college, right out of school. Yeah. Okay. Um, There's Q. What's Q school. You said qualifying school. Is it like junior college, but for big boys, (laughs) it's like, it's to me, it's still one of the most, one of the most proud things or one of the most things that I'm most proud of as a professional golfer was that I was able to get through Q school the first time like I did. Wait, what do you mean? So is that, is it just like taxing? It is. There's four stages. So there's a pre-qualifying stage, a first stage, a second stage, and then a final stage. So in order to get status on the, nationwide tour or the PGA tour, you have to make it to final stage. Um, so there's, I don't know how many people who sign up for Q school every year. 
I was fresh out of school, played a couple of what we call mini tour events, which is basically like organized gambling. <laughs> um, and then signed up for Q school. And so I started out at pre-qualifying. I don't know how many pre-Q sites there were, but I got through pre-qualifying, made it to first stage, made it through first stage, got to second stage, made it through second stage, got to final stage. And as you progress through these stages, you start to see more and more names or players who you recognize gotcha. from growing up or from playing. Yeah. Start to realize you're playing with the big boys. Yeah, there. exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, oh shit. Well, yeah. Boo, Boo Weekly's here. Like, what? Like, <laughs> what is he doing here? Isn't he on the PGA Tour? Like, yeah. You know. um, but it's crazy. So having done that, I mean, that's, I still think back and think, I mean, I know plenty of people who have never made it to final stage and who are really good players. Um, but I guess that's just kind of part of the game. Is that what made you, is that what turned you pro? So, yeah. So that's what, you know, if I hadn't gotten through Q school, I don't know what I would have done after that. I mean, I may have played some more mini tour golf or figured something out, yeah. but but that was the um, that was the but that was pivotal kind of the moment. And then so the first my first year on the nationwide tour was like still, I mean, I was, you know, having a good time, drinking beers on the road yeah. and like just kinda didn't really not that I wasn't treating it as a profession, but it was like, you know, this is pretty fun. I'm just gonna play golf all over the country and see what happens. Yeah. And I didn't have a great year. So at the end of that year, I kind of sat down and was like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to play golf for a living. I need to get serious about it. Mm. Here's what these guys are doing that are beating me all the time. They're working out. They're taking, you know, they're looking at what their, their nutrition, there's just little things they're doing here and there that I'm not, that I got to do. That's what I've always thought about not being better than everybody that you play with is that you get to look and see what the people that are better than you are doing for sure. And you get to, you, you know, learn from emulate them. and yeah. learn for, yeah, exactly. For sure. And take bits and pieces of what they're doing and yeah. incorporate it into what you do. Yeah. Um, and then after that, that off season kind of got real serious about it and then had a great year the next year and got onto the PGA tour and I've kind of bounced back and forth over the last, six or seven years but what year was that um the first year i got my card was uh 2012 okay how do you get your pga tour card okay so now well if you play on the what is now the corn Ferry tour and you finish in the top 25 on the money list for the year the cumulative money list then you get your pga tour card okay you have privileges to play on the PGA tour. That doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get into whatever event that you want. Right. But you will play on the PGA tour. Gotcha. And so that year I finished maybe 22nd or okay. something on the, the, the money list and got my card. Um, and then you got to go, got to go play. What was your first PGA tour event? My first PGA tour event was uh sea Island. Um, it was then called the McGladry, I think. And I had gotten my PGA Tour card in, I think it was maybe August or September of 2013. I guess it was 13 okay. was the year. Um, and I couldn't get in a 
couldn't get in an event. I was, I guess the way that things were, they changed the schedule for the year and a lot of guys were playing more. And I was like, what is going on? Like I got my PGA tour card and now I've got to go play in these Monday qualifiers. Like this is, is that how it works? You have to qualify even though you got your card. Sometimes, sometimes it's that way. Um, so I kind of had to learn the hard way, but Sea Island was my first event. And I was like, just kind of looking around at everybody. And it, you know, I learned a lot that year, my first year on tour, because I was really focused a lot on what other people were doing who were really good mm-hmm. instead of what I was doing and trying to perfect or trying to, um, you know, polish my skills more or less. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was crazy. I think I was, I guess I was 24 then 23 or four. <laughs> seems like forever ago. <laughs> but you see, I've noticed that too. I see a lot of younger golfers now that are, that are out there playing ball with the big boys. I mean, Ricky Fowler's a veteran, Yeah, you know, he's been out there forever. Rory's the same way, mm-hmm. but those dudes are still only in their you know, mid thirties, right? Yeah. Ricky's, but they've been out Ricky's there 15 years. Is he really? Yeah. We were in the same class going into college and he played for a couple of years and he played at Oklahoma, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state. He played two years. And when you were at Duke, uh, yes, he played, okay. I think he may have only played one year. I played funny story about, about him. I mean, just about how good he is. Uh, he, we all know how good he is, but we played a college event at, uh, this place called Olympia fields, just outside of Chicago. And I played at the time, probably my best round of the year. It was really cold and windy and I ended up shooting one under par 69 and I was thrilled, played really, really good and was thinking like, there's probably not too many people who beat me today. And as it turned out, I think I was maybe one of two or three guys to shoot under 70 Mm -hmm. and Ricky shot 63. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe I need to get a little better. <laughs> he, he he was a one and done then at yeah. OK State. Yeah, dominant. Yeah. Why 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 do you think, you know, I, I remember growing up watching golf and, and it was like Lee Trevino and Jack Nicklaus and like all these older guys that were out there and they were the, the best ones. And now, I mean – Spieth at 22, 23 was yeah. winning a bunch of stuff. Why Why is why are 23-year-olds now able to, you know, <clears throat> for at least a short time, dominate a sport that kind of old white guys had kind yeah. of dominated for a long time? I think a little bit of it has to do with what we were talking about earlier as far as like the training that they get mm. when they're younger. Yeah. And they're so much more advanced now as when we were that age. And I think some of it also is that they're just fearless. I mean mm. – they know they they know they're good and they they see guys like Spieth and Ricky have success when they're 20, 21, 22 years old and so they just assume that you know if I'm really good as a 17-year-old then there's no reason that I can't be playing and winning on the PGA Tour when right. I'm 20, 21. Right. And it's impressive for sure and it's like you know there's a whole there's a whole new wave coming. There's a whole really? I mean, there's every year there's a handful of guys who are good enough to win on the PGA tour right out of the college. And when I was coming out of school, I feel like there were maybe a couple 
I mean, one or two that legitimately could have played on the PGA Tour and maintained their status and maybe contended to win. And now there's just more and more of that coming, which is crazy. It's nuts to think about. I see it in my industry a little bit because everybody has a phone in their hand now. They can all make movies. They can all make videos. They can all tell stories. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to get intimidated or scared by that. Yeah. And and you have to have somewhat of a little bit, I think, of – I don't know if it's confidence or, you know, what's to say that the next guy's not going to overtake you? You know, that has to motivate you to work – even harder, and then uh, and then also index towards what you can beat them at, which is experience. Yeah, you know, and maybe mental fortitude in some cases too. A little bit, yeah. I think you know, it makes you really look at what you do and own what you do, and you know, you can just tell yourself, "Hey, I've gotten to this point by doing what I do, mm. and what I do is good enough." Yeah, and. Yeah, bring them on. <laughs> exactly. I love that. So do you have any events coming up? Uh, I'm going to go down and do a Monday qualifier on Monday, so a couple days from now. Um, and then after that, depending on how that goes, I may be kind of done for the off season for at least a couple months. You got a baby coming. Yeah. So... <laughs> That'll be good. Good timing. <laughs> so do you travel the whole family when you go? We have. Yeah. We were planning on doing it a lot this year, and mm-hmm. we did it We did it some in the start of this year. We did it a decent bit at the end of last year. And it's it's way better than being away from the family, being yeah. on my own on the road. But it's it still, takes a whole – it brings a whole new meaning to traveling when you yeah. got, you know. It has its own set of challenges. For sure. I remember when I was traveling a lot for work and I was, I was in my like early twenties, mid twenties and people were always like, man, that's so cool. You get to travel for work. That's awesome. And like when you're in your early twenties or mid twenties, it is, you can do it. You need a backpack, you need your stuff, but I can only assume that when you're doing what you're doing, which is traveling from stop to stop to stop with a family. And even if your family's not with you, I mean, you're working Every single second that you're not sleeping, I can only assume. Right. And that has its that's that's a grind in and of itself. And I think I don't know, I've always I've always wondered, is that like it is that tough on the on the brain? Uh it being, is, and I think that's that's one of the things that's been especially difficult for me this year as I've kind of struggled a little bit on the golf course. It's been like, man, not only am I not performing on the golf course, but I'm away from my wife and daughter and that is just killing me like if i'm performing then it's like okay i'm doing this for my family and Mm -hmm. i ultimately am i mean i'm working right now to do everything that i can to provide for my family sure but at the same time when things are going poorly it's like i'm i'm sucking over here and i'm missing out on the family time so it kind of it can wear on you um but, you know, just like anything else difficult, you got to push through it and figure out a way to, to kind of make it all work. But it, it's tough. I mean, it's tough. I can see how it would be very easy to beat yourself up when things aren't going well. Yeah. And and you're like, what? <laughs> you know, this is this is why I'm spending time away from my family. Yeah. I, and is there a way that you can firewall that off from from your performance? Like. 
when you're actually playing golf, is there a way that you can just separate that whole, you know? Yeah. You just kind of, at least I tried my best to just separate everything and be completely all in on the golf course mentally. And it's like, you know, you got, we got five hours out here to compete today. And so I need to be completely all in, but it's tough sometimes, you know, sometimes your focus wanders a little bit and, you got to bring it back in, but it can be difficult. What's it like to stare down at a putt that you've made a thousand times before and know if I sink this putt, I make this amount of money. <laughs> if I miss this putt, <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Like, you got You learn early on that stuff. I mean, it'll, it can crush you early on in your career. When you start thinking about that, like there was plenty of times where, I would miss a 10 or 15 footer on the last hole. And then you get into the hotel room and then you're looking at the payout and you're like, I mean, that cost me whatever. Yeah. But the best way that I justify it now is that nobody makes any money until you play 72 holes. Mm. So that putt on number 18 that you may have made or that you may not have made is just as valuable as that par putt or birdie putt that mm-hmm. you made on the first hole of the tournament. Right. Yeah. But it's just so magnified on Sunday yeah. because it's the last day, gotcha. the last hole, the last putt. Um, but but there's certain times where it's like, you know, you still beat your head a little bit. <laughs> I don't know how you could ke- how I could keep that, you know, keep that at bay, you know, and and not think of the like you know, my performance right now out of this, out, out of this, uh, hazard, it, you know, this performance, you know, my family matters, you know, as my, soon my, as you get in that mindset though, as soon as you let your mind wander away from exactly what's in front of you, yeah, it is so difficult to bring it back in to that place. So how do you stop? How do you keep from getting there? Do you have, you focus on routine, okay. you know, your, your pre-shot routine, mm. you're, you're focused on where the wind is, where you're trying to land the ball. Um, you know, really just focused on your process, what you're doing on the green, you're focused on where the putt might break or where you want the ball to go in the hole or how fast you need to hit it or, you know, just little, little small details throughout the entire day. Like if you're, if you have a swing thought and you're under pressure, a swing thought. Yeah. So like if you like to draw the ball and you, there's something in your swing that helps you feel how to hit it solid, then you're like, for me, I'm just focusing on that one thought in a pressure situation. Like, for so me, your swing thought is what is in your head when you are when during your entire swing pulling the trigger. Really? Yeah. Is I it mean, the same think, thing every time? No, I think different guys have different thoughts. Some guys are really mechanical and they think about everything. Really? Some guys are. So it's the grounding part. I'm more of a feel player, so I don't really think about I, the less thought for me, the better. Mm. Um, but you learn through your mistakes on the golf course about what works and what doesn't work in certain situations. Like when you're playing really well and the pressure's on or you're playing late on the weekend 
and your heart rate's kind of up, you know that, you know, maybe I don't want to hit this club. It's maybe a little bit too much club and try to hit it soft. Because if I've done, I've done that before and I've hit it <laughs> way left. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'll take the club that's a little bit less and just hit it hard because that's worked for me. Some guys are different, um, but that's kind of the experience and some of that stuff kind of pays off. But Do you ever get in fights with the caddy over that club selection? Not fights, but there's because you're the boss, or is, there, is that why they're not fights? No, well, there's arguments for sure. <laughs> there's arguments, um, but there's definitely times where it's like, I mean, what are we doing? <laughs> yeah, you know, we're hitting it the pins five steps from the back of the green, and we're we flew the green. I'm like, it, what's going on? No, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> do you, Do you feel that way though? Is it a team thing? It is, it is for sure. Good. Um, That's cool. There's definitely, I, I like to, for better or for worse, take a lot of the ownership myself. Yeah. So if we make a mistake, I may get mad at my caddy and have a few words for him. And then, you know, 10 yards later, as we're walking up to the green, I'll look at him and be like, you know what? I'm the one hitting the shot. That's on me. Sorry. You're just the closest guy to me. I had to, <laughs> I had to yell at something. <laughs> exactly. Man, uh, I am, I'm so amazed at, I think I'll come back to it. Just the, the mental toughness that it takes. And, and I admire you a lot for being able to do it because I see, I see people beat themselves up over, over the game that you play for a living all the time and they're they're not playing for money they're not playing for anything but fun and it still wears them out so the fact that you're able to to get out there and you've worked so hard to get to a point where you've been able to to make a good life for your family by playing a pretty awesome game maybe the best game on on planet earth you you. know i think that's amazing man i'm thank you i'm excited for you and uh i'm proud to know you and Appreciate you coming to do this. Is there? Um, I'm trying to think if there is, is there anything we left out, anything we're missing. No, I mean, I don't know anything else that you've got. But yeah, thanks for having me on. I mean, it's been fun. Appreciate you being here a lot. And uh, after your next big win, come on over and let's celebrate. That'd be awesome. We'll drink Love a couple to. beers and then we'll sit down right here and talk about it. Let's do it. I'm in. <laughs> it's a date. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot, Wes. Yeah. Thanks for appreciate having me. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. How was it? I know I enjoyed myself. I'm so glad that Wes did it. I'm very grateful that he came over and did it. And uh, as I promised in the podcast, after his next big win, he's going to come over here to the shop and we're going to talk about it. Champagne, snow goggles, ski goggles, the whole thing. Celebration. Guys, thanks for listening. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, Follow us on Instagram, at South of Scruffy. Go to the website, southofscruffy.com. Send me an email, southofscruffy at gmail.com. And check out the Patreon if you want to support this podcast. Uh, Patreon.com slash southofscruffy. Uh, There's three different membership tier levels there. You can check it out. If you listen to this show and you want to contribute, that's a good way to do it. It helps us out. Uh, Me and Sam are about to, Sam Thomas, uh, are about to uh, get the video in here um probably in the next month you guys will see a video episode of south of scruffy podcast so 
Um, I'm looking forward to it. I hope you guys are too. Take care. Love each other. Here we go. Matt Honkinen. Play me. Out.